Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Gabriella Hoffman, and this is District of Conservation. Thanks for joining me on this special episode Due to the fact that I was traveling and in a low reception area in Wyoming for my hunt, which I'll discuss briefly here on the podcast today, I wasn't able to put out a podcast on Monday and I wanted a few days to simmer and digest kind of what happened for me over the weekend and how I finally have kind of crossed the threshold in my hunting journey with harvesting my first consequential big game animal aside from a wild hog that I took but never found last year. But I'm going to use this episode briefly to kind of share my thoughts as an adult onset hunter, what this past weekend meant, and preview my town hall column, which will elucidate this and explain more from this weekend what happened, just the various different amazing people I met, what hunting out of state and transporting your meat is like, and much more. So I hope you look out for my column. I will link to some posts that I've done on social media regarding this experience, but I cannot thank you guys enough for just the outpouring of support and nice words about my harvest of this doe I got in the Black Hills of Wyoming. It really was a life-changing weekend. I harvested her on Saturday just before noon or around noon, and I used a AR-15 platform. I was shooting with a six millimeter Creedmoor Wyoming Arms AR platform to get that done. It was suppressed to, it was a loopholed optics and it was a four by four suppressor. If that means anything to you, probably getting too technical with that, but I used a setup that a lot of politicians are pretty keen on banning. I hear If uh, we get President-elect Biden, he has explicitly stated that he wants to have Beto O'Rourke confiscate AR-15. So I hunted with a platform that many people misconstrue as dangerous, that they think is not safe, um, not for civilian use and whatnot. So that is one thing you guys should take away from it. But aside from that, it's not simply me wanting to own them on that issue, but Hunting with airs and suppressors is a lot more common than you think. I want to be very serious about that. It's fun to joke around when politicians, especially on one political spectrum, chastise and demean this type of platform. But in all seriousness, this is actually quite common. 40 states allow you to hunt suppressed. So I think that's the takeaway from this. And... It was a pretty neat setup, I will say. I've grown comfortable with long-distance shooting for recreational target shooting. And for hunting, too, if I have the opportunity to shoot suppressed again, here in Virginia especially, I will. I certainly will because it was interesting. I liked that the noise pollution was a lot lower. It was a lot less irritating towards the ears. I was still wearing my uh, ear protections, of course, just because I pride myself in trying to not damage my hearing, especially being young. 
And I liked that there wasn't much recoil. It obviously had some kick to it. Like anything, it's a gun. But it was pretty comfortable shooting. And just the backdrop, I will say, guys, Devil's Tower National Monument, the first designated national monument in the United States in the background was just a perfect touch. And where I was hunting, if you're curious, I was hunting at Solitude Ranch and Outfitters in Hewlett, Wyoming. So if you're, let's say, coming from Denver, it's like almost seven hours of a drive north. Uh, If you're in Rapid City, it's about an hour and a half west, due west. Uh, So if you're familiar with the Black Hills region where I first went to about a few weeks ago to cover the Buffalo Roundup, it's in that corridor. Although it looks a little different, there are fewer trees I've noticed. I mean, there are trees everywhere and it's a little bit more prairie and drier. Uh, Some say it looks like a desert, but to me, it kind of looked like the surroundings that I saw in the Rapid City region and the town of Custer, but with its own little flair. Hewlett is a really cute little town. It looks like a Western town. I know bikers from Sturgis go there too. That's what I read about it. It also, according to Wyoming State Senator Ogden Driscoll, who I'll try to bring on at some point. I wasn't able to talk to him when we had our dinner because everyone was eating and you don't really do that. You don't record podcasts, but everyone was kind of checking out early. But we'll try to get him on at some point. And uh, he said that the region was probably one of the most conservative counties with the most conservative town in all of Wyoming, although Wyoming is pretty right-leaning. Not that that matters for this podcast, but Wyoming is a pretty conservative, conservation-minded state. And back to Solitude Ranch, that is owned by Mike Schmidt. And Mike is one of seven Wyoming Fish and Game Department commissioners. He serves in District 3, which is just south of Jackson, Jackson Hole. And he's going to be my featured guest on Monday when we return to regular programming for the podcast because I figured he graciously opened his ranch to our party. I came on as a reporter to cover the event. And just speaking to him was really enlightening. I really loved his perspective. He knows a lot about Wyoming wildlife and he's going to share some interesting stories about how he helped with a few others mitigate a national crisis relating to mountain goat culling efforts. You may have heard about that in the Grand Teton National Park region that uh, the National Park Service wanted to hire gunners and they did kill about 30 or some odd goats uh, by government contractors when hunters and other volunteers could have taking care of that and rightfully should have helped with management efforts. So he talked about that and the ranch and so much more about why we were hunting with veterans, why they were coming uh, with their daughters or without their daughters. So there were like two components, like father daughter hunting portion earlier in the weekend when I harvested my deer. And then more so of kind of this uh, military elite crew that came a little bit afterwards. Although most of them were veterans as well, but it was a really great group all of us, with the exception of one one young lady, uh, were able to harvest deer or turkeys. I opted not to harvest turkeys because I was like, if I'm harvesting a deer and I have to take a lot of meat home with me, I'll have no room in a cooler to do it. And the cost of the non-resident tag was pretty expensive. And that's what I paid. I paid like 70 something dollars for a conservation stamp, a doe tag, and two days worth of fishing. So I would have paid that same amount, almost the equivalent to to harvest a turkey. And I can do that another time, but I just wanted to focus on one species and I did. 
And if you want to kind of learn more of the mechanics of my hunt, like I said, I'm going to link to two social media posts I've made about the siding in of the apparatus and the firearm I was using, just my overall feelings about the hunt, because I feel like I was able to better contextualize that. But it feels really good to be in this club. Some people were not pressuring me to kind of aim for like bucks or aim for bigger species, but I wasn't comfortable doing that. And I think with this being my third attempt at trying to pursue and harvest deer, I think it really was important, uh, especially being the third attempt to kind of reflect on like how far I've come. I've pursued deer twice before. I talked about this in previous episodes where I was hunting muzzleloader with Ken Perrot, who is a past guest here on the podcast and a mentor and a friend of mine, someone I really revere and look up to. And uh, I wasn't comfortable hunting the muzzleloader. I think he knows that. And that was quite an intimidating platform and setup. You know, being a new hunter, you don't know much about it with gunpowder and all. And then last year, Buck Robinson of Outdoor Access took me to a property near King's Dominion. I was really ready to go. I decided my gun in and I got a lot of tree stand time in, but we saw no deer. And now this time with just the action we saw and help from John Burns from Wyoming Arms, he was a phenomenal guide and he was just participating in the weekend too. But just having his guidance, uh, he was super calm. He was very helpful and really just someone who wanted to ensure that everyone who was hunting with him could be put on the board. So I have John to credit for helping me side in positioning myself to take a ethical kill shot and just the different people I was with. Um, a lot of veterans, really cool, well-known veterans that some of you may recognize and we'll hopefully bring them on the podcast in the following weeks. I was able to interface with many, some pretty cool people you may have seen in movies or other outdoor podcasts, but we'll, as they come, I will, I will let you guys know when and where and how to listen to their insight into all this. But I really want to thank Nephi Cole from National Shooting Sports Foundation for inviting me. It was a wonderful weekend. I got to admire a lot of sunsets in the Black Hills of Wyoming. Just seeing Devil's Tower National Monument was a treat. Meeting Mike and his wife Pam, just exploring the surroundings, being in a low reception area was really nice given all this political headache and political stuff that is still transpiring. And just to get away from Washington, D.C. was something much needed and I will never forget this experience at all. And I have so much more to talk about regarding it and it's going to be in my column tomorrow. We're going to talk more about it on the podcast here in the coming weeks with the different guests I got to meet over there. But it's a great opportunity. If you get a chance to hunt out of state, don't say no. And especially if it's on private land, you know, if if you're a new hunter like me, I've only been hunting for about four seasons, give or take hunting private land is not something shameful. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. I think it's actually a great environment to just learn about it. There's less pressure. There's less pressure from people. Public land, because it is readily available, sometimes can be very crowded, exhausted, and challenging too. And if you're just starting out, you want to aim kind of small and, and focus on like a doe, it's perfectly fine. It's a good environment to do that. And I'll talk more kind of about being an adult onset hunter, what it means, kind of the stereotypes associated with it, why you shouldn't feel pressured to get big game animals like bucks or stuff really early on, how you can gradually work your way up and 
if I can be a resource to any of you listening who are new or interested or curious about hunting, um, let me be a resource. I want to help you navigate the process and demonstrate that you can successfully do this regardless of your age. There are a lot of millennials who are partaking in hunting now, especially with COVID and the pandemic. There's a renewed interest in this. I've talked at length about this type of trend that is happening, and hopefully we'll be able to retain these people going forward past a pandemic, past this year. And yeah, you can expect more of that. And we'll return, like I said, to regular programming schedule on Monday. And we're going to hear from Mike Schmidt, who is the District 3 Commissioner serving the Wyoming Fish and Game Department. Now, as for what to expect politically, I'm going to wait a little bit because until results are finalized, I want to see, you know, potentially if it is a Biden administration, which unfortunately it looks like it's going to be, um, who is he going to select and nominate for interior for EPA? They've already talked about rolling back a lot of the deregulatory efforts of the Trump administration. They want to put us back in the Paris climate accords, which very few countries have filled their bill with respect to that. And we would be paying for the bulk of funding there. It's a redistributionist scheme. No surprise. I suspect if Biden were to take the helms of the government, we would have to go back to the clean power plan, which was disastrous. I anticipate them rolling back the opening of a lot of acres of fish and wildlife service lands. I anticipate having recalled the last minute ban of lead tackle and bullets on fish and wildlife service lands. We can expect that probably if uh, my intuition is correct with that. We'll examine some of his nominees. We'll examine the legacy of the Trump administration. I'll try to get some exit interviews of Secretary Bernhardt, uh, EPA Administrator Wheeler, maybe the Department of Energy Secretary. I'll try to get some exit interviews with them and have them talk straight to the point about what their accomplishments were, because I think a lot of people did misconstrue their efforts, improperly maligned them. Sportsmen did feel like they did have a voice in the Trump administration. It'll be interesting to see if that still carries over, if they're going to be a diminished voice. I expect it to be more of a preservationist environmentalist voice coming back to government, the federal side. Will they relocate BLM back to Washington, DC? That remains to be seen. So Um, If things are trending the way I unfortunately see it trending, we will have to anticipate a new administration. But we're going to have so many different people on the podcast and we're going to hold the administration, new administration especially, accountable for anything that they do. I will examine different policies and contrasts. We'll bring on Republican lawmakers and other thought leaders to come talk about their stories and then what their feelings are on different policy measures that'll come afoot. If it's going to be divided government legislatively, I don't really think we'll see too much of damaging policy, but you'll see a lot of executive orders, secretarial orders, and other iterations of measures like that come to a foot. Uh, We'll try to get whoever the new ranking member of House Natural Resources Committee will be since Rob Bishop is retiring so we'll, that remains to be seen to see who will that be. That could be Tom McClintock. That could be maybe Bruce Westerman. But as we know and find out, I'll let you know. A few other guests that are going to be coming on the podcast too. I actually will be sitting down with over a Zoom call and we'll 
capture the video and audio portion for that with Senator-elect Cynthia Lummis of Wyoming, who is the first woman to be elected to the post. And she's qualified to beyond her gender, of course. I want to make that known. She's also very conservationist-minded, given the fact that Wyoming is a multiple-use state, very pro-hunting, pro-fishing state. So I think she's going to have a lot of thoughts. We're going to have a lot of Wyoming content for the next few weeks. I should be sitting down, hopefully, with Senator Dan Sullivan, maybe Senator Steve Daines, both of who won re-election, to kind of give a post-election analysis, and they can talk about their priorities in the Senate with respect to environment and conservation issues. We'll hopefully get that. Maybe we'll get Senator Kelly Laffler, who is going to be in quite a challenging, but I think very doable race for re-election in Georgia. All eyes are on Georgia. And I'll let you know if that comes to fruition, but I've had different conversations with different staffers about speaking to these different lawmakers, but Cynthia Lamas for sure will be coming on. Uh, I'll have a few more people from Wyoming, um, some other national lawmakers, maybe Senator Blackburn. I'm supposed to talk to her about her new book with respect to politics, but yeah, there are a lot of cool guests that you guys are going to be hearing from in and around Washington. We're going to keep you know, this positive, when we have to criticize policy, we will. But I want this to be a positive format too, highlighting the successes, so-called conservative conservation. That's not going to be lost with a new administration or a continuing administration, whatever. But yeah, there is a lot to discuss. There's a lot to celebrate. There's a lot that we'll have to fight for, I have no doubt. Um, but I will keep you guys abreast with what happens in Washington, D.C. I want to be an honest broker I want to make sure that you hear multiple sides and different perspectives. I really want Republican lawmakers to come on here and feel comfortable sharing their perspective. And if a reasonable Democrat wants to come on too and chat, hey, we'll welcome them as well. Maybe there are a few honest ones left and uh, who aren't wholly compromised kind of by their radical preservationist agenda. But anyone who wants to come on and, and chat with me and is open to it, totally will welcome them on. But thank you for... The well wishes of my hunt. Stay tuned. Make sure you're following the podcast. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to subscribe. And if you feel inclined, leave us some reviews. And if you really like this, please share the good word. I'm grateful to see fact my partner. We've worked together for about a year now. Supporting the podcast, we're going to try to up re-up district of uh, we're going to try to re-up conservation nation once i get a better temperature read on travel although it looks like with shutdowns likely being imminent again that may be stalled until after the new year but you will see a lot of outdoor content from me from this medium and other mediums and i'm grateful for your support i appreciate you bringing on your friends and supporters and followers to the podcast if you can just share the good word if you like what you're hearing that's all you can do that's all i ask but i'm super grateful thank you so much for the kind wishes about my first deer and i hope you guys stayed tuned for some awesome guests that we have lined up here on the podcast thanks for listening and see you guys on monday